This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. The award-winning Crunch Time. McLean feeds it back to Hunter, who feeds it further back, and Crozier is coming hard the other way, and he gets it together and strikes another blow for the Bulldogs. Dunkley released it to Liberatore around to Richards, got the snap away and kicked another. They're unstoppable, the dogs. Colin Jasney, who goes bang up towards Stanley Deep. He's going to fly against three Bulldogs at the bottom. He's able to soccer it out of the air and put it through. And Geelong notches their third goal. Atkins and out of Guthrie, barely a breath of space. And his kick, well, it might have been dealt with, it wasn't. Hawkins to O'Connor, yes! Crazy with unbelievable courage, dropped the mark. Stanley to Dalhouse, he'll ride that one home. The former dog, and there's a bit of debris left on the ground behind him. Joe Hannison ran onto it, hand pass to McRae, got collared, gives it up to Richards, advantage paid, kicks the dogs to full forward, Bruce set himself, not to the back! The dogs grab another, breathing space restored. Tommy Hawkins, right forward pocket, tough angle, 45 out, best goal kicker in the game. To claim the lead for the Cats, it's on a great line! It's the most superb of kicks! at the most critical of moments. Brad Close has seen a pass that he's gone for. He hasn't made it. Knocked away from Buse. Dalhouse underneath. Hand pass in dispute. McRae got it, lost it. Gave it up to Rowan and Rowan inserted the dagger. The Cats will win it from a six goal deficit at quarter time. We needed to keep our composure, but we needed to change a few things as well. And we needed to keep perspective that we weren't going to fix the game in the next 10 minutes. It was going to take the next three quarters and a combination of composure and trying to get the game played the way we need it to be played. But also playing with a bit of aggression and a bit more will than I think we showed early in the game where we were outplayed. The Cats claw their way back from a near early knockout to run down the Bulldogs in powerful style. How does it set Geelong up and how vulnerable does it leave the Dogs despite the quality of the loss? The Bombers, they're all over them at the moment. Parrish, probing ball. Joe, yes! Mark's paid to Danaher. What a bulking frame of Joe Danaher. He might have improved his kicking in his absence as well. He's put it through. He's back. Stewart takes it, and in they go again, and here comes Joe! The Joe Show! It's started! Stringer flies past, onto that left boot, McDonald, Tip and Woody, you don't want to be one-on-one with him! Parrish, Merritt, Danaher in prime position, he's got it, Joe! Is he leading Essendon to a win, a famous win? Don't go, Joe! It might just fall for Joe again, he's kicked another! Seconds tick down, an astonishing comeback from the bottom.
Spurs from six goals down. They win by 16 points. Now he's able to give the hand pass as Bolter comes rushing up. He lets fly from 60. I tell you what, wow. he got it there. That is a massive kick, Noah Bolter. Had a look, thought through the scenarios. Right forward pocket in the gutter. Martin shapes for the check side. Wow. That's what he kicks. Outstanding. Oh, wow. Higher than the typical check side, but it had the most beautiful curvature to it. As time expires. And the Tigers take West Coast place in the top four. For now, and you wonder for how long. It's emphatic stuff from the defending champions. A pulsating start to the second phase of the footy frenzy. Premiership favouritism changed hands. Well, Joe Danaher reframed the conversation for both himself and his club. This is Crunch Time. For clean away, stocked out on Lego and McDonald's never miss a goal with McDelivery. We had a 52-point turnaround on Thursday, a 48-point turnaround on Friday, and the trading of places in between all of that, between two of the superpowers of the competition. It's fertile ground for crunch time as we look towards Saturday action. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge is with me in place. He was there last night. He saw the Cats run down the dogs. Luke, welcome. Yes, thank you, Jared. It was a um, tell you what, it was an interesting start. Uh, we understand that teams get the jump occasionally, but for the doggies to go in six goals to zip at quarter time, a lot of people were scratching their head, thinking, "How uh, how are Geelong going to get back into this?" But I spoke to uh, to Mitch Duncan at quarter time after uh, Scott went and, went and spoke to all his players, and he was that calm. They knew exactly where they made the mistakes. They knew they had to lift their intensity defensively and and just put a bit of pressure on on the doggies players, and and that's what they didn't. Calm heads prevailed at the end. We'll delve into that as we go along. Kane Corns. Well, Hutto was handing out the Don't Go Joe badges on Thursday night. Kane, well, he rebuffed that. Good morning. To welcome, Kane. Uh, hello to you, Jared. Live from a magnificent-looking Adelaide Oval, got to say, 25 degrees, sun shining here, ahead of the game here between Port Adelaide and the Swans. We'll speak about that later, but magnificent conditions. Yeah, I, I just got a different take on it. Uh, I think a lot of people rightly were getting sucked into Joe's performance on Thursday. I think it's great for us and I think it's magnificent for Joe, but it doesn't change the fact that you still trade him at the end of the year. I think the time has come to do that. Spoke about it on the captain's run yesterday, Jared, and a lot of Bombers fans <laughs> were up in arms about it, as you can imagine, but I just think it's a business and you've got to make the right call for the club. I said that Joe's probably got 40 good games left in him is that gonna is he gonna be there for the next premiership at the bombers probably not so i think it could be a win-win um for club and player to to see him move on don't go yet hodgie we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> sam edmund welcome <laughs> i'm one of those about to. <laughs> i'm one of those who's been sucked in jared i love joe danaher i've fallen back in love with him again absence hasn't necessarily made the heart grow fonder but after that Breathtaking performance against the Hawks. I mean, he's 26 years of age, Joe, and in a half of football, he's just flipped the script completely. We'll get to him in a moment, but I'm I'm sucked in, Kane, officially. Mm, you're not alone. <laughs> yes, yes, you're in the minority, Kane, but something tells me it doesn't bother you in the slightest. <laughs> uh, so let's play with last night before we work our way further back. Uh, Luke, when you see... So an established, mature team like Geelong just get, and they, I mean, it was as close to a footy knockout as you get in the opening round of a, of a match. 
and yet they are able to balance up and progressively over the night just assert their authority to the point where it, it really did feel inevitable at various stages that they were going to run them down. Yeah, I guess it was... I spoke to Chris before the game and sort of mentioned about their pressure on the doggies, and he said, yeah, well, they use their hands. They like to use their hands and, and flick the ball around. But what was noticeable was that the Geelong forwards were, were sort of staying staying deep, and their first three goals come from either half-back kicking the goals or actually setting it up. So I reckon that was just something they spoke about as they... they obviously, the intensity around the ball uh, had to lift. And, and I think the positive from... Geelong was a lot of their big fellas hadn't had much of an impact. Dangerfield, I reckon, had his first handball 15 minutes into the quarter, uh, and then he really flicked the switch, lifted the intensity, uh, and that's what you're normally seeing. Joel Selwood, Joel Selwood was out injured, so I thought it was it was a good, mature game from Geelong, the fact that they did get <laughs> copped a couple punches early in the game and, and were able to settle. It didn't help the fact that the Doggies did lose two with, with, uh, with hamstrings, um, and the rotation that you just sort of see from about that midway through the third quarter into the last quarter, Geelong had so much more run and the doggies just ran out of steam. What did you think, Kane? I thought there were, and I saw and I heard Luke Hodges' interview with Mitch Duncan at quarter time. Like, I was amazed by how calm he was. I mean, this is yep. a side that just won't panic. Like, I was, you just thought, you know, game over already, and you'd expected some anger, but he was so calm about what they needed to do to get back in. He mentioned that, we look, we know what the Western Bulldogs need to do, so it's just about combating that and to words to that effect. Now, it's a, it's a brief quick interview before quarter time but I thought it was significant and not for the first time I thought the Bulldogs were bullied um, Jared. you know we've seen it happen in the finals and when the game was really on the line for the first time I thought the Geelong Rucks and Stanley and Blixarves absolutely um, almost laughed at the fact that they were putting Josh Dunkley and Bontempelli and, and and others in the ruck and it's worked for the last couple of weeks and I, you know it was really complimentary of the Bulldogs for trying something different but Geelong knew it was coming and they bullied them particularly in the third quarter to the point where they were just whacking it forward or they were grabbing it from the ruck and the clearance differential in that third quarter was significant so I just didn't think there was anyone like a danger field from the dogs who who just really wanted to put put their head over it whilst they were they were impressive and I just think they're three players short the Western Bulldogs have been a really good side and there's an issue with Bruce in the forward line there's a real issue now with Tim English in the rack as much as he's improved around the ground but at the stoppages he's just ineffective and he was thrown around like a rag doll yesterday so I just think they're two players short unfortunately have been a really good side capable of challenging this year. And I think that's why they sit where they do those games where you, to get six goals up we talk about how good the, the Doggies team is, but as you said, there's, there's enough flaws in that side to, to drop a margin uh, as they have. And what are they sitting eighth at the moment with? They've dropped a number of games which they, they should have held on this year. So there's no doubt that they're going to have to look at that forward line because Mitch Wallace has been a uh, has been such a good move from down there. But as Kane said about the, the ruck stocks and putting young blokes in there, Geelong had planned for Mitch Wallace to be the, the main goal kicker. Um, they put Collar Jasney on him. He stuck to him that tight. Mitch did not get one centimetre of space for the whole night. And it's a, a shock tactic worked for a few weeks, but once teams really zone in on it and study it, that's where it comes undone. The ruck strategy is really intriguing, Jared, as Kane mentioned. So the thrashing of the Crows in round 12, Dunkley 
gets to 30 ruck contests, Tim English 39. The come from behind win over Melbourne last week. Dunkley in there 24 times to English's 23, even though Josh Bruce was influential in turning the tide in that game. And then last night, as Kane says, blows up in their face. So Champion Data had English attending 43 ruck contests, Dunkley 26. Dunkley had 13 disposals, no influence. When he's up and going in his preferred role, he's almost elite as an on-baller. So the Cats winning the hitouts 49 to 13. Clearances by eight as a result. And Beveridge saying post-match that pretty much holding his hand up and saying, doesn't matter who we've got in there, we get taken advantage of, basically. We're making it up as we go. So English is probably... I mean, Kane and Hodgie say there may be two or three players away. The Dogs, English is probably another couple of years away from really being the ruck when they want him to be. So he's had three really good games that come to mind and they've won all of those as yep. a result. But um, he hasn't stacked up in the in, on the nights and the days where they've, they've met Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane and Geelong. And they have been shown their place. Their place is below the, the group of contenders. Mm-hmm. And in a way, his English is sort of married up with that and it's been the, shown his place. It is the glaring Achilles heel for them at the moment, is the ruck. And and after quarter time, centre clearance was so pivotal to the game. That was why the Dogs got the ascendancy early and it was the reason why they lost it as well. But I think if, if we looked at the start of the year, we wouldn't expect English to be matching up against the, the top quality ruckmen that, that have shown him up this year. So we're sort of sitting back at the start of the year saying this is a learning ruckman. He's come along so far in his development, so, um, in his career. But that's even round one when they played against Grundy and how, how influential Grundy was, we expected that. So there's no doubt there's going to be some hurdles along the way until he gets to where he is with his body shape and obviously his experience as well. It really surprises me that Trengo hasn't played more of a role this year. I mean, it's just, it's just his perfect role, Jackson Trengo. He's, he's did it for Port Adelaide. Now, he's not, a, he's not a number one ruckman by any means, but he's someone who's aggressive. He's physical. He can go in the centre bounce and he can compete. And, you know, you'd much rather have Trengo around the ground than you would Dunkley or, you know, some others that they've used, including their superstar, Bonson Pelly. So, and Bruce as well. Like, Trengo is a more effective ruckman than that. He can really jump in and put a knee in. So, hardly been cited um, since he's been recruited, basically, to the Western Bulldogs. He's their most experienced player on their list but just not playing a role so they feel like a 9-8 team I reckon a lot of people would have forecast them to be just the right side of 50-50 at the start of the season they've got West Coast Hawthorne and Fremantle so they had to win one of these two Geelong or West Coast to get to 10 wins with their percentage nine will probably see them on the outside looking in can they beat West Coast is the question they're seen as is going to ultimately be defined by whether they can beat the Eagles well, I think they can beat anyone. Like I and oh, on Monday, I was quite optimistic about the Bulldogs. Jared, I was like, I oh, just they just suck you in with their best footy, like the, the footy they played against Melbourne in the first quarter yesterday. But they're just going to have to address this one or two deficiencies in their game, like we've spoken about, to to really challenge. Now, this was a real test against Geelong. They haven't really beaten significant quality this year, as you said, but. Yeah, you know, they're not going to start favourites, and would I tip them? No, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if they came out. Now, what damage psychologically would, would coughing up that lead uh, do to them uh, as the, the season goes on? I'm not sure, but, yeah, they can beat them to answer your question. I think a lot of the teams that come against the Doggies, it's how their pressure in the midfield is on their midfielders. Uh, if, if the Doggies get the time and space to do what they did in the first quarter, flick it round, like their composure going inside Ford 50 in the first quarter, they had six marks inside Ford 50, all because there was no pressure on the ball carrier. Uh, as soon as Geelong lifted their, that intensity, and on the flip side, they had a few injuries, so they, they had to spend more time out in the middle, they dropped their intensity. So if I was playing against the Bulldogs, 
uh, in the coming weeks. All my pre- all my folks will be on is pressure in that midfield, making sure whenever they get the ball, it's a rush kick or, or a pressured handball just so they can't link up as they've been doing because you give them time and space and they will cut you as we saw early last night. Jared, I'd be keen to ask Kane and Luke what they thought from the Geelong side of things. We know that they probably didn't need much validation. They are a legitimate contender, but a win of this nature when they're six goals down and all hope appears lost. They haven't won like that since you have to probably go back to round six when they came back to get the Lions at the SCG. And at halftime, even that game, they're only a goal and a half down. But a win of this nature, even if you do consider yourselves a legitimate contender, what that does for the confidence of a group who hasn't won a premiership for a while, Hodgie? No, they haven't. But Geelong are a different team to what I've seen in the past. Yes, they were sitting here, uh, premiership favourites, and on top of ladder this time last year, and they've finished in the top four probably seven or eight times the last 10 or 11 years and, and haven't won a premiership apart from 2011. Um, but what I've seen with Geelong this year is they don't rely as much. Yes, Dangerfield was excellent last night, but you go through the goal-kicking Hawkins, <laughs> bit of music there. Uh, Hawkins uh, only kicked two, but the reliance that they have in the midfield just to spread it. It's not so much so with Dangerfield and Ablett getting being best on. Um, Guthrie was excellent last night. Stewart obviously had a lot of the ball, but Menengola, his improvement on the wing. Duncan can go in there and have his input as well. They've just got a big spread of players where if Danger's getting shut down or Joel's injured, that so many other people can lift, as we saw last night. Some of Gary Rowan's efforts. Uh, Zach Tui, uh, for him to come back on three times just to show how tough he is. I, I, when he came to the bench, I was sitting right there trying to listen, listen to him trying to breathe. Um, it sounded like he had broken ribs or a punctured lung. It just didn't sound right, but he grabs his mouth guard <laughs> and runs straight back on and gets hit again. So, I don't know, they've just got a different steely resolve that I haven't seen from Geelong in the last few years. Just tell us a bit more about what you observed and heard with Zach Tui. Uh, oh, when, it, when he came up, do you know when you're... you're Everyone knows when you get winded, you're trying to suck the air in, and everyone knows that sound. But this this was different. This was like he was he was in all sorts, um, really struggling to get uh, wind into his air, uh, into his lungs, and that's where he went down downstairs. And we thought there's no chance of him coming back in because of the sound he was making. It's just it's something that I'd never heard on a, on a football field before. So, um, and then when he went out there, he said the the second hit, which from TV, it looked not as bad as the first one. He said that got him the that got him the worst and hurt the most. But <laughs> I actually thought, watching it, that it was the first hit that did all the damage, and then the rest of it was just, um, I guess, a response from that because he he got hit again when he lost his boot in the last quarter. And it took him about five minutes to put his boot back on and get back going. But I just think that, led by him and Rowan, a few others, how uh, how how tough and gritty that they've been this year. In all the list of players that that Geelong have had improvement from is Gary Rowan's form right now is uh, it's hugely influential Luke yeah, he is. I guess one part with Gary is he's just, it's probably been his body that's let him down. As soon as he, he's always had the ability, even when he was at Sydney, he, his speed, he could mark, he could jump, he'd, he'd put that pressure on. Um, I think they've found a perfect role for him down there where he doesn't get overly fatigued because he's not spending any time through the middle for, for his soft, soft tissue injuries. Uh, but then he, he works well with Hawkins. Uh, I mentioned when they played Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago, his work rate to start on one wing, push back in deep inside Ford 50 and then run, run up past Hawkins to the other wing to get a lead up just so Hawkins gets isolated. Um, that's what he's been able to bring. And then you bring in Miser, a few others who are just the, the pressure players. So um, it's, it, they've just got a really good balance. And as you said, Gary Rowan, from his energy, what he brings, putting a smile on the people's faces, it looks like he's trying to keep the forward line and the boys relaxed out there by um, having, having a bit of fun, which, which you can sort of see if you watch him closely. 
I want an uninterrupted run at the Joe Danaher conversation. We're just having a slight interruption with Kane at the moment. So we'll just let, let's do Richmond I, I and West Coast first. Yes, yes, he has <laughs> he has gone quiet. So the Cats by 11 points over the Dogs last night after trailing by six goals at quarter time. Um, the, the significance of the Richmond West Coast result, Luke, what, what does it mean to you? To me, all, all that says is we've got two very good teams that played on Thursday night, and I really look forward to seeing him again in the finals uh, if we get that opportunity. But I, I didn't take anything away from West Coast uh, in the way they played, um, how ferocious they were. Richmond are just a quality team, and, and Richmond get their wins by grinding at teams and, and out-pressuring them. And hopefully by the end of the third, the start of the fourth quarter, they can run away with it, which we've seen them do so many times. But Kennedy uh, got knocked out in the first quarter, spent no more, no more time uh, on the ground, or not much time, uh, once they realised how bad the concussion was. Uh, I know Grimes did a hamstring, but I took nothing away from West Coast. I just thought it was a, a quality match. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're two teams that are going to be up there at the end of the year. Does that do anything psychologically when you have two teams meeting like this, Hodgie, so close to finals when one emerges over the top of the other? Can it strike any sort of mental blow or is that uh, looking nah. into things too much? Nah, no, nah, I don't. I, the, the mental blow is when you sit back there, you play the best footy you possibly can, mm. everything goes right for you and you lose by 40 points. That's where you come back in and, and coaches are sitting there going, I don't know what to do considering we executed every plan we, <laughs> we yeah. had for them and they still flogged us. Yeah. You go into that game and I reckon... Adam Simpson, that would have pulled out four or five different things that they could say, hey, next time we play this team, um, we can tweak a few things. We can do this. Kennedy's going to be back up forward. There's a, there's a number of things that they can do to, to try and change the result. And I'm not saying that's going to happen because we know how consistent and how, how disciplined Richmond are and the way they go about it. But I reckon West Coast are saying, I want to have another go at them because we, we know we can play better football than what we did, even though as a spectacle, uh, it, was, it was a high-intense uh, game of football. So they do have the brutal schedule. They've gone a four-day break into Richmond. They go five days Essendon, five days Bulldogs, four days St Kilda. Now, we, we have a recent case study of Collingwood. That, that, that sort of stretch ruined them, really. By the end of it, they couldn't get out of their own way. I, so I have a slightly less about how... Um, less about how Richmond handled them and more about I just wonder how they will absorb this stretch. They have the toughest stretch of all coming. And I think that's the question. I said we, we're always talking about at this stage to go who's going to be flag favourites and how they're going to go. As you said, in three weeks it took Essendon, uh, so it took Collingwood. They lost two or three senior players, got a few injuries, still went home, and then all of a sudden their season looks in tatters. Uh, because of 2020, that's the that's the unknown. Um, how you pull up from a game depends on injuries, their recovery, how short your break is, and whether you win that close game, whether it's a two or three points your way or, or the opposition's way. Um, and that's the thing that's going to happen the next four games is how a team's going to handle this really quick turnaround. Um, we know how it, it hit a few teams pretty hard the first time we had it. They're, yeah. Our Bombers on Tuesday, which should be really confident they can get the job done. They are two and four in Queensland, but the quality of those losses, the opposition has been relatively high, Jared. But you'd think Josh Kennedy really minimal chance to come up with that concussion off this sort of a break as well. So left to find a replacement for him, you would have thought. Uh, I don't think we can. T I don't think the footy they played early in the year because you can sort of see they were the first team to travel. Their mindset wasn't in the the hub in Queensland. You could talk, sort of see how Adam Simpson was talking, how the players were acting, watching them play, watching Gold Coast embarrass them, watching how they played against. 
the Lions. It just wasn't the West Coast that we've seen the last three or four years. Watching on Thursday night, it's a different team. It's a different mindset. They know the reason why they're here. So um, I think the only thing that's going to get in there road is either injuries or, or not being able to recover. It won't be a mindset that we saw early in the year. And they're working on buying that home game against North yeah. Melbourne to finish the <laughs> season, Jerry. They might, they might need that. How likely do you think that is? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I honestly don't know. It rests with uh, the AFL at the moment. Uh, North Melbourne are just as keen as West Coast are, mind you, given the money they can get back. And we know where they're at in terms of they're not going to feature in finals and probably doesn't matter where they play West Coast. And West Coast motivations are obvious. I don't know. I can't get a read on how likely that is. Does it set a dangerous precedent if you've got... Or does it file no, under no, the There's no precedence. There's no precedence. This no, season's this just a, a, a one out of the box. Yeah. So you get away with it yeah. or you don't. Should it be allowed to happen, Luke? Um, oh, who knows? As I said, it's been such a... For some teams, unfair. For other teams, f- fair year. So, look, if, if it works in their favour, they get a home final. Good on them. Because if they finish... Oh, sorry, the round 18 game and then a home final. Good on them. Because they've played some good footy. They were, they were the first ones to pack up their bags and, and come across. Um, yeah, so if they if they get the, the last game, fair enough. But I reckon if they do, there'll be uh, talks about what else can happen later on in the, in the final series. It won't be just a one-off game, I don't think. Can they win it from outside the top four? I think anyone can win from outside the top four. Um, as you said, when, you, when you're up here, as you said, the, the top five teams at the moment, obviously the strongest five, and the, the football, the teams that are playing the best football, uh, West Coast, Richmond and Geelong, um, no, nothing against Brisbane or, or Port Adelaide, but that's just the footy that we're watching. Uh, but especially up here, a, a home game up here, a home final could be at Metricon for, for Geelong. So you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and that's the most exciting thing about it this year. The Dustin Martin kick is, I mean, it's unlike many that we've seen in that genre. It was the most extraordinary check side, so high, and he got it to, to curl back so wickedly at the, the point of delivery. Is that, that's, that was, it was an act of wizardry, Luke. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here struggling to think who else in the AFL would even contemplate that shot. Hodgie, you did it uh, in the grand final. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, but he, he actually thought through it. Mine was just to throw it on the boot and <laughs> hope for the best. Uh, he, he was sitting right up against the boundary line and he's gone a high banana off the outside of his foot. Um, a lot of people would run around on their left or, or try and hit the top of the goal square, but I think that's the thing about Dusty. He's uh, If he thinks he can do it, he'll just go and do it. Mm. Uh, and then that's the kind of stuff that he can do. It will bring a, a spark to his teammates and go from there. But... Yeah, watching that, and then even last night with with the conditions, even in perfect conditions, I was out there. That that's a tough shot. So, and it was a little bit of wind around on Thursday night. So, um, I think it just confirms what we all, all say that he's an absolute freak. He's every bit of that. So that was how Premiership favouritism changed hands on Thursday night. We'll deal with the events from Adelaide Oval and what Joe Danaher did the conversation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline both for his own future and for the prospect of the Bombers when they ran down the Hawks in a 52-point turnaround. It was truly remarkable stuff. Crunch time, Luke Hodge, Kane Corn, Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley with you for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. 
Jared Whateley, Sam Edmonds, Luke Hodge and Kane Corns with you for crunch time after a remarkable start to Frenzy 2 and that's to say nothing of what's coming. I must confess I was sitting here thinking how jealous I was to hear that siren in the background while Kane's talking to us from Adelaide Oval and it turns out that technologically it's all blown up on him. So being at the footy is one thing, getting to air is quite another. Kane, are you there? I am. We had some Beatles coming through. So obviously, for whatever reason, the ground announcing is coming through our um, program, which we haven't been able to sort out. So there's no tech here. So I've been trying to play tech, Jared, but you know that's not my area of expertise. So the trusty mobile phone is, is what we're going to have to deal with. All right, let's play with Joe Danaher, shall we? So did you, for even a moment, just in sit back and enjoy yeah. what was happening, Kane, before yeah. you got to the judgments of it? it. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And what I think is it's a win-win for both. So it's great for Joe, firstly, because you know, clearly he you know, it's a great confidence boost to think, yeah, I can still play this game. I thought the way that he read it in flight was you know, much more than I expected. You know, he can still get that really nice ride. The contested mark he took on the outer wing was great. Um, so brilliant. I loved it. Every bit of it. Loved to see him smiling, the reaction from his teammates. But then I thought, well, it's great for the Bombers, too, because... Once a player declares that they want out, which he did last year, and uh, and I know things may have changed, and that's what a lot of Essendon fans were saying to me yesterday, but I think you've got a significant player who's a free agent that remains unsigned, and we're nearly in August. I'm not sure he's desperate to stay. I thought, well, just what a great opportunity to still get a a reasonable deal for him. Joe moves on, goes to another club, and it's a win-win for both. Luke, what's your view? Uh, oh, you can definitely understand what, what Kane's saying. But if I was Essendon, I wouldn't be throwing a, a long-term contract at a bloke who hasn't played for, for 18 months, no matter how important he is. You want to see if he can get back there and play the footy that he has. So I'm, I'm happy to sit on the fence here. If Essendon look back, looking at their injury list, if they can get back all the players, and I'll, there's there's about 12 on the injury list with the likes of Zaharakis, Heppel, uh, Ambrose in their best, Fantasia, Levade, Bell Chambers, um, Hooker, all these guys that have been injured for Essendon, and then you throw Danaher back in the mix. If Essendon think that they have got the list that can push next year for, for finals or, or top four, then you'd bend over backwards to keep him. But if they're sitting here going, well, our list is a little bit sluggish, we might have to, to rebuild. We don't want to get halfway through a, uh, a season next year and, and sign Joe for five to think we're going to have to rebuild. Um, so they've got some pretty tough decisions to make right now. You don't want to do what North Melbourne did, sign a couple of older guys for long-term deals and then think, oh, hang on, we're not in the position we thought we were. So that's a big decision for Essendon. But I, I can see both sides of the, both sides of the story. Mm. So happy for what he, what he did. And, and as you said, Kane, with, with that mark he took, he, first half I'm sitting there going, it's probably good for Essendon seeing him out there. Second half yeah. I was looking at going, how good is He's jumping. He had three contested marks in the third, in the third quarter after taking one for, for the first half. 10 or 12 touches and, and kick three goals and set up a couple others. So it was, it was good just watching footy, uh, seeing him back out there. And as you said, the most important thing was with the smile on his face, enjoying his football. I think he's uh, top three most watchable in the game. So who do you pay to go and watch? Well, if he's on the TV, he's like Nick Curios when he plays tennis. If Nick's playing tennis, and I don't watch a lot of tennis, I think it's quite monotonous and it's quite boring at times on TV. But if Nick's playing, I'm watching. If Joe Danaher's playing, I'm watching. If Toby Green's playing, I'm watching. Justin Martin the same. So, you know, he, he has star qualities that draws you to the TV, but let's just not get sucked in. And the reason I thought, I was seeing tweets, and I might have been John Rowe from the Herald Town, he said, Essen, just give him what he wants. He's a superstar. Pay him what he wants. Give him as many years as he wants. I think, well, hang on. He's played 
12 games in three seasons. He's going to be 27 by round one next year. Usually injury worries don't get better with age, they get worse. I reckon he's got 40 games left in him. So to, to Luke's point, if, if the Bombers think they can win a flag in the next two years, then you know give him a three- or four-year contract and take that risk. If not, and they know their list better than we do, if not, then um, trade him and get you know, one, two first-round draft picks, whatever someone's prepared to pay, and then get the deal that's best for your footy club. So it's, that, might, that, yep. that might be the other one. Is, is anyone willing to give two first-round mm. draft picks for, for a bloke who's missed a year and a half? And on the flip mm. side is, this is no disrespect to Hawthorne. Hawthorne don't have their full team in there. They don't have Sicily, who's their main intercept marker, would have been probably floating across, challenging him, um, being, being that extra bloke up there, straighten down there as, as their captain. They were playing against a team who was sitting 15th or 16th on the ladder as well. So, Kane, in what you're saying, there is, there's, a, there's a gamble clearly in there because what if he's got 120 games left in there. him and he does maintain that three most watchable players of the game and he goes somewhere else as... Essendon will be criticised forever and a day mm. if they allow him to leave. He could be a shooter. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, he could be. I think a lot comes into his mindset as well. Uh, like, does he... You know, I'm yet to hear him come out, although I was encouraging what he said to Fox Footy after the game. Like, he, he spoke like a guy that was invested. But I'm yet to hear him come out and say, this is my home. I, I love Essendon. I'm ready to commit long-term to this footy club. So... For that to happen, Jared, he needs to buy into wanting to be at Essendon. Now, the last I heard Joe speak about was that he was having coffee with Tom Harley midway through the season and wanted out. So unless I get that from him, that he really wants to stay at the Bombers, I don't think it's a mistake from Essendon to explore that because you can't have a guy that doesn't want to be there. What was his his comments post-game in the interview? He just spoke about, um, you know, their game style, their processes, and he just, you know, without remembering it word for word, I was just watching thinking, well, that's encouraging. Like, he's speaking like he's fully bought into the team atmosphere and, and the way they turned it out at half time, what they did to change it. You know, he wasn't speaking like a guy that had one foot out the door. So, you know, if I was a Bombers fan, you could look at it a couple of ways. And if you're optimistic, you think, gee, he's, he's invested and he wants to hang around. If not, you, you could think, you know, it's just what you would say is, you know, hardly going to come out and say, I want to leave just after you've kicked three and, and won the game for them. Yes, it would have been a frightening circumstance to sound anything <laughs> yeah. other than completely all yeah. in. So, Sam yeah. Edmund, this is your area. I, I was watching. There were three ways to watch this game. There was one as an Essendon fan, and as Kane has said, that flinch reaction is give him the offer he can't refuse. Two was the clubs who were looking to pick him off, who I'm sure were thinking, oh, we'll be able to get him for maybe a second, even a third-round pick. He's not going to be worth anything if he hasn't played all year. So fire sale. And the third was as the neutral footy fan to go, oh, God, this is – we have been denied this. He's been denied footy, but we've been denied him. Well, the big point is he's a restricted free agent. So not necessarily any trade even required here. If Joe chooses to go, then it's up to Essendon to match the offer that is provided to him by a rival club. And then the compensation comes into it. So that's his new status this year. But the conversations I've had, his teammates, some of them anyway, believe he's a really strong chance to stay now. Now, they believe a lot of the motivation for that move to Sydney was injury-based. As Kane said, just couldn't get himself right. 
11 games in, what, two years at that point in time, bogged down by the attention in Melbourne. He just needed to wipe the slate clean. He's since moved out to Dalesford, relative obscurity out there, relaxed lifestyle, of course. There's a couple of teammates out that way as well. It's an easy drive into Tullamarine. Since that aborted trade as well, the Bombers have totally overhauled their fitness and medical departments. Sean Murphy's come in as the head of strength and conditioning. He served that big apprenticeship under Andrew Russell at Hawthorne. Um, David Rundle's been elevated to the role of head of medical services, and they've changed the whole method in there with both of those guys reporting directly to Dan Richardson, the head of football. So Danaher said to be really comfortable with what the club has done in that space since and the setup they've got off the field for him. And it's looking rosy. A lot is going to come down to the next four matches, of course. If he plays and plays consistently, well, players are naturally in a good space, aren't they, when they're out there playing, contributing, and hopefully, in Essendon's case, winning. So I think the tide has turned, but we're all guessing in this space largely. Jared, who knows what he's going to do at the end of the year? So if we work through the restricted free agent part is really interesting because Essendon won't get a lot in the compensation um, equation, I don't think, because it it, re- it measures a period of time which won't include his All-Australian team. Well, they won't get what they asked for in a trade no, last year. That's, that's right. for certain. So Essendon is almost duty-bound to match any offer and then mm. trade him to get what he's actually worth. Is that The equation won't work for them this time around. Which, as we know, the matching of the deal, if it's happened, I can't recall when it's happened. I think the closest we've come is Dangerfield's move from Adelaide to Geelong. And that was effectively a match because the Crows forced Geelong to do a trade. Well, they did a sweetheart deal yep. behind the scenes. And Geelong, we'll in good faith, and Geelong in good faith said, yep, we'll come to the party and get it done. And they got it done swiftly too. So that's the closest I think we've seen to a match deal. So... We might have a history. We know how stubborn they can be, Essendon. Adrian Dodoro in this space. Would they be brave enough and bold enough to match a deal if it came in from another club? Should he decide to go under free agency? So, Kane, Luke, sort of one at a time. Kane, first to you. Would you, If you were a rival club, would you put an offer to Joe Danaher to try to blast him out of Essendon? Um, well, there's not... If you need a key forward, there's not... Many on the market. Charlie Dixon's about to re-sign with Port Adelaide. That'll happen within the next fortnight. So despite the reports of Brisbane offering him a four-year deal, that's off. So Ben Brown's the other one. Jared, I mentioned Jesse Hogan, but that comes with a significant amount of baggage, as you know, off the field and not getting a game at Fremantle. So it's probably two key forwards on the market, Ben Brown and, and Joe Danaher. So if you really need one, and if you're Brisbane and you think that's the next step, then yeah, I would. And if you were Essendon, would you match that offer? I would 100, uh, you know, provided it's not ridiculous. So, so if you match the offer, you have to be prepared for him to say, all right, I'll stay. So if, it, if it's, a, you know, it's a five-year offer at $800,000 a year, if you're the Bombers, you have to be prepared to call the bluff. And if he chooses to stay, if you match it, you're going to have to pay it. So uh, unless it was completely, you know, ridiculous and something like five years or, or even four, yeah, I think they have to match it. And Luke, to you... Yeah, similar. Without knowing how his body is, we're only going off one game uh, and a lot of talk. But with, with injuries for that long, I would go probably three years in a trigger you'd probably match. Um, mm. Anything longer than that, it's it's just so... Especially with footy these days, I know contracts can be chopped and changed. We've seen over a number of years. But I, would, I wouldn't be committing too much into someone who sort of said that their, their passion wasn't there at the start like 12 months ago. Uh, and then with that, he's, he's still yet to prove his body. As you sort of said, this next three or four games for them has to show that he can back up from, from games, recover well, uh, and continue with his positive attitude that he's got. I can't remember a more intriguing mid-career audition yep. than, than what we're living through here. Kane, a note on Hawthorne, who you, you've, um, you've had them pretty well pegged all the way through. 
Well, yeah, I just think, are they realising, and, and Hodge and I have spoken about it a little bit on this show, are they now fully understanding of where they are at? And I understand that you know there's a number of key personnel missing. Um, you know, Stratton's not playing, Bergwijn's not playing, but does Clarko now understand where they're at and what us from the outside have been looking at and how important the draft is? Because... I think the model for them is Richmond. And I look at Richmond playing, I see Noah Bolter, and I think, I look him up, and he's 20 years of age. I was like, well, where did this guy come from? Well, well, he's picked 25 in the draft. So Hawthorne don't have any of these guys. Like, and that's not a first-round draft. It's not, you know, but that's how you can rebuild your list. You know, Bolton, Preston's not there, Edwards is there. Like, where did this guy come from? Oh, he comes from the draft. And then you get the stars that have carried the team forward like Rewalt and Cochin and these guys, they're all from the draft. Um, and then you top up with free agents like they've done so well. That's got to be the model for Hawthorne. I, I'm just yet to be convinced that there's any other way as much as Clarko has been reluctant to go to the draft. It's your gut feel, Luke? Yeah, yeah you can sort of see by selection. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, they left out, who was it, Gunston didn't play and a couple others, and then this week they left Shawnee Berg on as a rest and Stratton, so the mindset is mm. to still keep some senior players in around these young guys, but you look what Will Day's been able to do to come in, he, he looks really good as a young fella, um, so it's they've, they've still got some senior guys in the side, but that's to help teach these younger guys coming through. I'm tipping they'll get to the end of the year and say, oh, we lost to Essendon, yes, it was disappointing at the time, but that means we didn't jump up the fourth and lose an extra draft, a, a spot on the draft at the end of the year, so so I think with the people that they've got, they'll be looking to try and get a, a few higher picks uh, and a few more mm. selections at the draft just to try and see if they can have one last tilt while Clark goes there um, just by building up with some top-end talent who might be able to develop a bit quicker next year. The very risk of Jerry, going... This game's, Go sorry, ahead. Sam. This Go game's ahead. fascinating on Tuesday at Adelaide Oval. So uh, Crows are... <laughs> this is their grand final. Uh, I, re- I reckon they win. Uh, I think the Crows win. They're, they're fresh off the bye at Hawthorne four-day break. For a game that's going to feature 15th versus 18th, it's a fascinating <laughs> game right here at the Adelaide Oval on Tuesday. <laughs> no, nah, they, won't, they won't win. Hawthorne... I, you don't think? No, nah, no. Nah, I think after a disappointing loss like that and the passion that Clarko has against Essendon just from the history of, of those two clubs, they would have went through that very thorough on why they lost it. And that's, this is just more of, of Clarko being a good development coach, saying this is why we lost the game, this is where they played well, this is where we let them play well. And even just from a few tweaks from what they did, we saw how good they were in the first half. From a few tweaks from what they did in the second half, they'll come out there and they should be able to put Adelaide away. So I'd be very, very surprised mm-hmm. if, if Hawthorne come out sluggish and on the back foot because that's just not the way that his team responds. Slightly off topic, just when it comes to Hawthorne going in the draft, I'm really fascinated to see what Geelong do with the draft. Three first-round draft picks. They are going to be busy. They're like a supermarket at the moment because other clubs are going to go to them and say, what can we do to get a draft pick off your hands? They're certainly not going to take all three to the first round. You wouldn't have thought the Cats. Do they Do they chase Joe Danaher? Yeah, well, maybe. We know they're after Brad Crouch. That's a free agency deal as well, but... Oh, that'd be a big one. They've been linked to Jeremy Cameron. What if they swoop with Joe Danaher, Jeremy? Uh, the question that um, I think Gary Lyon asked last night is if Geelong is able to shake Jeremy Cameron out, did the Giants go and get Danaher? Which mm. they, that wasn't a conversation last year. There's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes in there. Today, the Swans have travelled to Adelaide Oval and no doubt they'll have packed their gear in their Samsonite business bags. Work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag. We'll uh, kick some of the key questions around on Crunch Time next with Luke Hodge and Kane Corns for Beaumont Tiles. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's four grand the lot and identifiers specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns and Luke Hodge with you for some rapid fire. 
qualifier questions for Rapid Tune, they'll keep you moving, rapidtune.com.au. So, Kane, what's happening with Charlie Dixon? Well, he's staying, Jared. So, Ken Hickley was emphatic on that yesterday. Um, I've uh, spoken to the club this week, and I'd be surprised if the time frame's not in the next fortnight to three weeks that that'll be announced. That, that was a very strange story to get momentum, wasn't it? Well, any trade sort of story does, does particularly this time of year. I mean, people are fascinated by trades. And when you have key players that are unsigned at this point of the year, then you're linked to other clubs. It was particularly fascinating, I think, that a club board member from Adelaide is the one peddling a rumour. Uh, and it was it was a rumour. Like, he didn't even mention the club. He said, watch this space. You're going to go with the story, go with it. He said it was Whether Brisbane. Was... He said it was Brisbane, basically. No, he didn't, he didn't name Brisbane. He said it's not basically said it's not his old club. He didn't, the word he said it, didn't come out of his mouth. He said it was in that state. Exactly, yeah. So if you're going to go with the story, go with the story um, would, would be my advice. And, you know, he's going to be made to look pretty foolish in the next couple of weeks. Here's my information from Port Adelaide. And Rory Atkins is obviously on the market. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I expect he'll sign with Gold Coast. I mean, that, that's the talk in Adelaide. There's a connection there with the Crows. Josh Franco, midfield coach, spent some time at Adelaide now at the Gold Coast. And also Tate Kaysler is a, is a lesser profile assistant coach that's also at the Gold Coast. So there's that link there. I think he's got a lot of good footy left in him, Rory Atkins. And he's a key part of their push towards the premiership in 2017. He's 26 years of age. He's an unrestricted free agent. You get him for nothing. To go and join Hugh Greenwood from the Crows at the Gold Coast, and I think he'll be a nice addition to complement their already, you know, pretty solid inside midfield that they've got. No, it's... was there a few was there a few rumours about Laird as well in Gold Coast, or is that just? Um, I haven't I haven't heard. Last year, I think you know, the names. I mean, there's going to be names come up at Adelaide for for a while now because of the fact that they're just in full on aggressive rebuild mode. So players that have currency like Smith and like Laird, will be, will be bandied about. The fact that they're contracted, yep. I'd be surprised if Adelaide let them go. It's interesting for the Crows because you just can't go all young, and that's what they've struggled with this year. When you let go of Ellis Yeoman and Greenwood and Jacobs and Keith and you lose that, you know, the bigger bodies around, even Betts, goes, you know, you're left to all young players that just hung out to dry a little bit. So Fantasia's been linked to the Crows this week. I expect him to request a trade home. It won't be at Port Adelaide, but the Crows are in discussions with him. So that's the type of player they're going to have to get in. You know, 24, 25 years of age, played 100 games of footy to try and support, you know, the, the pretty inexperienced side that they've got. No, he's part of that senior group that's been frozen out by Matthew Nixterra, but it's quite strange for a club to release a statement basically putting one of its senior players on the shop front window with still, four, what, four or five rounds to go in the season. It's a pretty rare event, uh, even though they're super aggressive in the rebuild space. It was, was strange yesterday. Yeah, but the, timing, the timing is a little bit awkward. I agree with that. Uh, Luke, where did we get to, do you think, with the, the judicial system this week? As uh, someone recently out of the game, it was... It was a rather bizarre week for match review and for tribunals. Uh, what it felt like from afar, obviously being up in Brisbane, you don't hear a lot about it. Not to be honest, when it came up, I didn't want to listen too much. It felt like it tossed toss the coin and whatever way it landed, that's what punishment you got. So if it was heads, you got off. If it was tails, you got a week or you're fine. So uh, it, just, it just seemed inconsistent. That's what it felt. Um, normally when, when the tribunal wants to... Uh, set the standard and and say this is what we're not accepting. Normally the tribunal will will um, will follow that and and back it. Mm. But 
uh, it just seemed that uh, Christian was trying to do the right thing to sort of say, <laughs> this is what we're not going to stand for. And uh, and they said, no, no, we're happy to, to accept that. So there's no doubt there's going to be so many question marks when the next thing happens and we either get a fine or we don't get a fine and someone's going to challenge it. So it just makes it all more confusing from, from my point of view. So I don't think Michael Christian's had a worse week, Kane. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He hasn't had a worse week in... And probably the, the footy boss Stephen Hawking um, involved in that as well. So when you when you send six to the tribunal and four get off, it's probably not 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 great. Great look, is it? I, and just for the players, like all year, I've had sympathy for them on the rules and you know how confusing the rules have been with holding the ball. Now I'm, now I have sympathy for them on dangerous tackle. I have sympathy for them on on staging and, and some other things as well. So I just. I don't think it's ever been more confusing time to be an AFL footballer with what you can and can't do on a footy field. Correct. <laughs> and that's not a great scenario to be in, Luke, is it? No. No, especially when you come up against, especially this time of year, finals, you, you want clarity in everything. And it's, it's hard enough to play this game of football being how fast it is, so many decisions to make um, just in your own game style, let alone when the opposition get the ball. But then it comes to a stage where you don't know how to tackle or, or what to do or what's mm. a fine or what's suspended. Uh, or what you're going to get away with. Um, so it's, it's, it is, it's confusing. You don't want someone getting suspended at this time of the year because of an uncertainty in their actions. Our rapid-fire questions, they'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. Luke, enjoy the rest of this round, and we will talk again Tuesday morning. Sounds good. Have a, have a good weekend, guys. Modern-day icon Luke Hodge with us in the home of footy Queensland. Kane Corns is staying on board. This is crunch time for Beaumont Tires. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's foreground. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. And identify them.